0: Professor Harald Wiltshire wrote an article about the Swedish university system. Of course, I wanted to have a chat with him about that. This is Work at LIU, my name is Priya. Hi, Harald, and welcome back to this podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, since we spoke last, like I just said, you've been professorized. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> how, how was that?
1: Uh, it was fun. I mean, actually, it, uh, it came in two parts. There was the uh, official um, ceremony in uh, the student house. Um, that was nice, and then I had this um, installation lecture, which was also fun. Um, I talked about a topic that's quite dear to my heart, namely uh, the relation between science and life world, and also a little bit the uh, current problem of this kind of waning doubts and distrust uh, regarding science, uh, you know... Uh, uh, um, anti-vaccination conspiracy theories stuff like that and all of that from a philosophy of science perspective so that was nice to have this kind of formal introduction to the faculty and the university
0: yeah. So as you said when we just spoke, you're uh, more enlightened now. <laughs> so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pick your brain on on a topic, uh, which is the Swedish university system. Yeah. So I read an article that you wrote
1: mm-hmm.
0: about that, and I have picked up some things that you've written about, and um, and I want to hear your perspective on it. Sure. Um, because uh, I think you've been you've been working. In Sweden for a while but you've also worked in, in other countries
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so it's good to have that perspective so there are three main points uh, flatter hierarchies women in leadership positions and employees well-being so we'll just start with the one with the first one mm-hmm. about hierarchies and the flatter hierarchies what what have you noticed in Sweden about that
1: um What have I noticed about that? I think, first of all, that um, people are just a little bit more skeptical, I think, or I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but I think maybe more reflective when it comes to social hierarchies. I mean, sure, it would be an illusion to say that there aren't any in Sweden. uh, And I I assume you will not find a society where you don't have, you know, kinds of hierarchies. But I think in Sweden, uh, people pay more attention to the fact that these hierarchies uh, matter. And I think um, there is... Actively more done to kind of counterbalance the kinds of hierarchies uh, which are really not the kinds of structures you yourself can do something about it. Like to give a concrete example, that was not very, not very, not very clear. I mean, I think there is um, more activity being done on the part of the government, for instance, to try to. Uh, um, Bring people into education more easily, you know, uh, university access for more people, and yeah. uh, this idea that it simply shouldn't matter so much uh, who your parents are, what what your social background is, what your upbringing is. This idea that people should have these uh, uh, fair chances, regardless from from where in society they're, they're they're coming from, and I think this creates a society where. Um, Education is uh, more accessible to people and uh, as a consequence, flat the hierarchies. At least that's how I experience things now after two and a half years.
0: Yeah. Would you say like now you're a professor, um, if you work in other countries, I think people would call you like Professor Wiltshire?
1: Yeah, of course. Not only me, my wife as well. In Sweden they won't. No, I, I think in, in, in <laughs> Sweden, people are not particularly interested, which I personally really like a lot. Uh, no, a fun story. I think I a, a already mentioned this the last time, and I'm really sorry. Maybe I have to do this since I'm Austrian by birth uh, because I'm, I'm recurring to Germany as a topic all the time. But when I was negotiating um, the other... Uh, contracts with uh, Linköping University and uh, a German university, this actually was one of the arguments that in Germany, uh, a professor is worth more in terms of what it means uh, in society, how you're perceived and whatnot. And I personally don't think that this is a very um, constructive approach or a good approach.
0: No, but it's also good to know, like, if you come from another country and you already are a professor and you come to Sweden, don't expect people to kind of bow and say.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, especially uh, where I live a little bit outside of of Linköping, and I would say, um, especially... In the community where I live, I think quite a few people have no idea what I'm working, and it's also not something that's a, a big topic of conversation. I mean, of course, at some point you talk about it, but um, it's just not such a such a huge topic.
0: No, it's not like oh, we have a professor living in our on our street.
1: No, <laughs>
0: no, but maybe you should spread the word. It might you know, you never know who gets impressed.
1: Wow! Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it also has to do that I don't uh, fit the preconception, perhaps, uh, uh, of how people think about how philosophy professors act or look or talk. I don't know.
0: It could be. It actually could be. Um, but that's. I think that's a good thing, though, because we need to kind of break those those uh, barriers and and kind of show people what the academic world looks like today.
1: Yeah, I think that also connects to one of the other topics you mentioned before. Uh, I I think really, and this was always something that uh, was quite important to me because, I mean, I have a non-academic family background and I experienced universities in Central Europe uh, in Austria where I started to go to the university as something where I never really quite felt at home. It always appeared to me that other kids, um, you know, they went to places and they have read a lot of books and, and and all of this and i didn't really have this kind of background so I always have an active interest in also kind of um, battling this idea of what a scholar is supposed to be, what a professor is supposed to be, what what a scientist is supposed to be. Because I mean, at the end of the day, what we're doing is to create knowledge uh, in order to make society better. I know this sounds cliche, but really, I think basically it's what it comes down to. And... And sometimes people have this idea, in order to be a scholar, you're, for instance, not supposed to have a social life, a private life. You're not supposed to have kids or something. And this is definitely something where I would say uh, Sweden is different. I've never seen so many PhD students uh, who have kids, for instance. And if I tell this to some of my colleagues, for instance, in the States, they simply do not believe that.
0: Yeah. And and now you're touching on actually the third point, so we might as well just go there. Like employees' well-being and work-life balance. Uh, as you said, like Sweden is quite, we're very open about that. Like we want people to uh, have a good balance between work, work and private life. So how how would you describe like the employees' well-being? How how is it? Can you give more concrete examples of how the university is catering for that and how we feel that it's important?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I think it simply starts with the fact that you can talk about your um, well-being, about your mental health, about feeling pressured, and the reaction is not being ridiculed. Because I think that really is, um, I think I mentioned this in this one article you were referring to earlier. I had this conversation at one point uh, with one of my former students at uh, Stanford University, and she told me this story about her boyfriend coming over from uh, the East Coast, uh, which happened twice a year, and then they went on a skiing trip uh, up to Oregon or something. And actually, some of her student colleagues ridiculed her and basically told her, well, yeah, if if that's your approach to work, then probably you will not end up with a job in academia. And so really this kind of idea that, and I mean, you know, the statistics about um, drug abuse at uh, um, these kinds of elite institutions, and I'm not talking about recreational drugs, uh, it's amazing because people do everything in order to, you know, be able to work eighteen hours, nineteen hours, yeah. twenty hours, whatever. Um, and I think it does something to people, and it does also something to the kind of cre- creativity, which I think is just an essential aspect of what we are supposed yeah. to do in, in in research and science. And basically, it just destroys people and, uh, in the long run, society. So. I think that's something which 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 really works very well uh, in Sweden.
0: Yeah, and as you say, like because I remember when I used to study, I studied at a, a university in Australia, mm-hmm. and the professors uh, were working, as you say, eighteen, nineteen hours a day, and we also knew what they were. It, you, you can't run on an empty engine like that so they no. were using things and which is quite sad but i think as you as you said like doing the recre other recreational stuff like going away on a ski trip it refreshes your head and you come back with mm. like even more energy that you can
1: put into it yeah um, no totally uh and 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 uh, It was actually here in Sweden for the first time that I could tell looking at my own approach to work that, for instance, I would finish a project I wanted to finish on one particular day. And then I was thinking, oh, actually, I could go home now because I I did what I wanted to do. So I could as well go home. Whereas a year ago or two years ago, or three years ago, I would probably have started something new. Knowing, however, perhaps not explicitly, but at least in a way you know it, you start something new, you will accomplish exactly nothing, but you've been in the office two more hours. Hooray. Uh, And that's, I think, sometimes really also this kind of self-betrayal that's going on. You are in for 18 hours, but really, how many of those hours were actually effective? So I think this is also this kind of capitalist thinking about time management and ourselves as resources and i would say in sweden it's perhaps uh, just a little bit more at least you're allowed to talk about these things and it's been taken seriously and i think that's definitely uh, something really good and important
0: yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because, yeah, as you said, like I know days where I've had so much to do and then there's half an hour left of the day and I'm like, okay, let me start with something else. And then you're like, no, let me just go home hmm. because I'll do this even better tomorrow after you know, spending time with the kids and sleeping well and all of that. Um, The last point then, which was the second point, would be women in leadership positions. You wrote a bit about that as well.
1: Yeah. No, that that I have to say is probably... don't want to say the most important point, but one of one of the things I really appreciate about Sweden. So I think when it comes to gender equality, and I don't know, maybe I'm still in the uh, uh, honeymoon phase with Sweden, and and see a lot of things through through through. Glasses, but I would really say when it comes to gender equality, uh, Sweden is really doing quite well. And I remember actually one of the first times I realized, oh, this is working differently here, was when I was driving down with my wife on uh, on the four to Link shopping, and all of a sudden uh, I realized I've never seen so many female truck drivers uh, in my entire life. It's 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 amazing, and. I would just say, on so many different levels, uh, many of the cliches in different parts of society, uh, which, for instance, I know I grew up with in Central Europe, simply do not work in Sweden. And I would say, really for the better, and here at the university, so basically, I would say 60% of my superiors here, 70% or something, are women, and it's really... It might sound strange to a sweet to point this out and that's the great thing about it uh, but I can tell you uh, in in many other academic uh, uh, um, uh, systems I've seen this would be quite exceptional and here I think it's just something uh, oh yeah really yeah yes I've never noticed because yeah well it's like this but
0: yeah it is what it is like when you see when you when you're in it you don't see it
1: yeah. And that's just, and that's just, of course, a great thing because I, I was always quite concerned with this topic because the three disciplines I'm mostly concerned with, which is mathematics, uh, philosophy, and physics, are also those with uh, uh, horrendous gender quotas, and I've been thinking a lot about why that actually is and what we could do to change it, of course. Um, But in general, when it comes to gender equality, I think uh, Sweden really is doing well.
0: Yeah. We still do have, like, I know um, people are very involved with this topic, say that we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And it's never, it's obviously, it's never going to be, well, it Not never, but one day it will be like even more equal. Uh, But I know that we've come a long way compared to many, many other countries in the world.
1: Yeah, definitely, for sure. And I mean, on a personal level, this is really also something where I feel, I mean, I like the idea that my daughter is uh, growing up in a society like that, because um, I think really, especially, I mean, she's nine now. But uh, when, for instance, she will face the uh, question what to do uh, at the university or something else entirely, I think she will have a lot of choices she would probably not have in different parts, even of yeah. Europe.
0: Definitely, Yeah. Um so speaking about these three things, you might think like, Yay, Sweden is great. Um the university system is obviously amazing, but I also know that you feel that there are some improvements that can be made. Yeah. You wanna mention them?
1: Yeah, so sure. Don't, don't I mean be too hard on us. I would say two things when it really now comes to universities. Um I think that sometimes perhaps the approach to education in Sweden is very focused on applications. And I mean, of course, uh, if you take a lot of taxpayers' money and throw it at universities, it's natural to ask for something in return, so to speak. But I think uh, I'm sometimes surprised by how strong the pressure is to apply everything to one concrete example. I mean... Part of my job, for instance, is to think about uh, physics and the history of physics, and I can tell you some of the um, theories in physics that make the biggest difference right now, without which we would have no GPS systems and no cell phones and no no computers and all of that, were theories that for the first 50, 67 years had no applications whatsoever. No one had any idea what to do with quantum mechanics for decades. And all of a sudden, people realized, oh, we can do this and we can do that. So I think sometimes it would perhaps be good to just, you know, uh, not immediately think, okay, uh, my son, Madaris studying this and that. What will she do? Well, she'll figure it out. I mean, Sweden is a wealthy country. I I think we can sometimes be a little bit more relaxed with that. Of course, this is a philosopher uh, talking now, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, this is one thing. And The second thing is I perhaps would sometimes wish that uh, Swedish universities would be a little bit more open towards uh, internationalization and I mean, this is a very complex phenomenon, and I understand here as well, universities should have this role of, for instance, being a voice in political discussions, and scientists should talk in in newspapers and all of that. And if you want to say something about, say, politics, it would feel weird for me as an Austrian to uh, say something uh, about uh, Swedish politics right now. I understand that. But in general, I think if you can say one thing, looking at the history of science, it is, there is no national science and there is, science will always be this international global uh, uh, um, enterprise where I think really diversity is always a good thing in science. Bring people with different cultural backgrounds, with different languages, all of that. Science always had a lingua franca. So I think it's really important especially also in the humanities, that we learn to, 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 to take in all the, the uh, uh, different aspects we can get culturally and, and on all different levels. And I think there is sometimes a bit of uh, room for improvement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's basically all the questions I had. Uh, so, Professor Wilshire. Um, oh, thank, thank you were, thank you very lot. much and again talking. i feel
1: very delighted and enlightened <laughs> and all of that
0: yeah no uh, as always fun talking to you
1: thank you likewise
0: you have listened to work at liu with me priya and this episode's guest harald wiltshire don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes